Live from the Pacific Northwest, it's Portland Story Theater's Urban Tellers. Real. True. Stories. May the narrative be with you. So I'm going to share a story with you tonight that I have never told anyone else. Not anyone except my story group. So my parents, my siblings, none of them know this story. It's kind of like my origin story. It's why I always fight above my weight class. It's why I cannot stand it to see people or communities picked on. And it's why I'm like the first one to jump into a fight, even when I look back and I see uh, no one's behind me. This is my story. When I was nine years old, uh, my brother and I and my mom, we, we came back to the United States. We lived in the Dominican Republic for a year. And we came back to the US and we reunited with my dad and we were like back together as a family, back in the good old USA. And it was a time where you know my dad's business was going well and we were like one little happy family unit again. And my parents sent me to a small Catholic school in Jersey City, New Jersey, that's where we lived. Our Lady of Chestahoa. Come on, that's fun to say, say it with me. Our Lady of Chestahoa. All right. So it was in the fifth grade, and you know, it's always, you know, it was a, it was a Catholic school, and you know, they had us wear these horrible uniforms. I mean, they were like red and gray and black plaid with like yellow polyester like shirts. Um, <laughs> was, why, why did they do that to us? Uh, all Catholic schools are like that, um, and. And I remember, you know, my teacher was really this really nice lady, Mrs. Krupka. She was really sweet, kind of like mousy looking, you know, you know those mullets that people used to have, like business in the front, party in the back. She was kind of business in the front and business in the back, like just a little mousy, but sweetheart. But this woman had this obsession with Kenny Rogers. And at the time, I didn't even know who Kenny Rogers was. And on her desk, she would have pictures of Kenny Rogers on her desk, and she had one hanging up near the blackboard. One day, she played us a song from Kenny Rogers, The Gambler. You know that one? You got to know when to hold them. Know when to fold them. Know when to walk away. Know when to run. Well, lo and behold, that was gonna be the soundtrack of my fifth grade year at Our Lady at Chesahoa. <laughs> Sing, so you can just scream it anytime you want. It's fine. It's totally cool. My group does it all the time. So it's hard enough being the new girl, but it was really, really hard for me. So I, because I'd come from the Dominican Republic, Dominican Republic, for some reason my school thought that I could not read. And so they put me in a remedial reading class, which is basically called the third grade. So every day, when the bell rang for English, I had to get up out of my seat, walk out of my classroom, walk down the hall, and sit with the third graders as they read, you know, Spot Catches a Ball. It was mortifying, and as you can imagine, uh, it was pretty terrifying. And we had these two girls in my classroom, uh, not in the third grade, in the fifth grade, these two girls that were like the biggest girls in the class. One of them I call Big Boned, forever named Big Boned in this story. 
and she was huge. She was really big. She was like bursting out of her uniform. But she had the most sweetest like baby face, like with these huge cheeks. So it was like really confusing, but she was like not a pleasant person. <laughs> and then her sidekick, her sidekick, I call Longweed, because she was super skinny and tall, but kind of hung over you. Like, you know how a weed, when it gets too long, just kind of, that was her sidekick. So being, having to go to the remedial reading class, like I got picked on by them all the time. It was just re relentless, and I was the new girl. And, and it was just really bad. But, one day, but then the worst day happened, and this would mark me for good. So I was sitting in class, and my mom, you know, she used to still like comb my hair before school, and she still combed my hair like I was in the kindergarten. So she would like make these two tight braids, you know, split my hair and make these two tight braids. And I was sitting in class one day, and I just kind of felt a tickle in the back of my head, and I scratched. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh oh, it's right, you got kids. Um, and all I remember hearing is, ew, that girl got a roach in her hair. And I turned around, and that girl was pointing at me. And I was horrified. And all I remember is the kids screaming. And all the kids, I would look around, and they were all recoiling and laughing and horrified. And I looked up at Miss Krupka. And you know, her mouth and her hands were like saying, calm down kids, it's okay, it's okay. But her eyes, when she caught my eye, was really saying, oh, you poor sad sack. I could have helped you, but I can't do anything for you now. You just gotta run, girl, just run. Yeah. And that was it. And that was it. I was a leper at this school. And you would think the Catholics knew something about lepers, and they'd be okay with me, but no, not, not at Our Lady Achesto. And Big Bone and Longweed, I mean, they would pick on me every day, just relentless, like, ooh, you're so nasty, you're dirty, girl. Don't be sitting by us, ooh, you're disgusting, every single day. And one day, I just couldn't take it anymore. I was just like, I gotta do something, I gotta tell them something. And I was like, yo, stop it. Don't talk to me like that. Okay, I didn't say it like that. It was really like this. It was like, um, guys, uh, could you like just please like stop? It's not nice. And the minute I opened my mouth, Big Bone just exploded on me. And she was like, what? You're gonna talk to me? You need to shut up. You're gonna try to talk to me? I'm gonna kick your ass. And then her sidekick was like, yeah, she's gonna kick your ass. We're gonna kick your ass. <laughs> and they were like, Friday, girl. Friday after school, meet us behind the lot. When those nuns are gone, you meet us on that corner. and We're gonna kick your ass. And I was like, oh, shit. Why did I say anything? You know those moments? I have them a lot. Uh, <laughs> you will learn. And I was just like horrified. And I think it was like midweek, so I still had like two days to stress about this. And so I went home and I was like racking my mind, like what do I do? Who should I tell? Should I tell somebody? They're gonna kill me. And 
you would think like, yeah, maybe I should tell my parents, but you know what? My parents were falling apart. My dad's business was going down the drain and my parents would fight every night, every single night. And not like, oh honey, let's not fight too loud so the kids will hear. No, it was like screaming matches at night, neighbors calling to complain. So I just didn't feel like this was something that they didn't needed to know about or, or hear about. And then I had my little brother, I mean, he's adorable and all, but what's he gonna do? He's like six years old. So I was like, oh, no help there. And I just thought and thought, and I swear to God, I don't know why, but I just decided. I decided I was gonna show up. I was gonna show up and let them do whatever they're gonna do. And part of it was just feeling like at that moment, like it didn't really matter. And it didn't matter. And I, and I thought about it, once I made the decision, I was like, all right, I'm gonna show up, and I pictured all the ways they were gonna beat me up, and I was like trying to live through it in my mind. And I remember thinking, oh, my poor brother, I feel kind of bad for him, he's not gonna have a sister anymore, that kind of sucks. <laughs> then I thought, I felt bad for Miss Krupka, I was like, oh, she's gonna blame herself, she's gonna feel super bad, you know? And I was like, no, I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna show up. So on Friday after school, I go and wait on that dingy corner in Jersey City. I wait till all the nuns are gone. I wait till all the little kids get picked up and everything's clear. And as I was waiting, I was thinking, how in the world did I get here? Four months ago, I was leaving the Dominican Republic. After being in, that, in the school I was in for a year, I got picked on every day by this one girl, every single day. She was just a jerk. And every time I got on the bus, she'd be like, negra polla, negra polla, black chicken, black chicken. She was really like a racist asshole. And every day I was like, I can't do anything, you know, I have to be the good girl. And you know, just a few days before school ended, my mom told us we were leaving the country. So I was like, this is great, I'm getting out of here. And boy, that girl, the last day of school, she still had to say that thing to me. And I remember being on the school bus, and she said it one more time. And I was like, wait, I'm leaving the country soon. And she's like, negra polla, negra polla. And I don't know what happened, but it snapped. And I just leaped into the aisle of the bus, grabbed her and beat her up as her teen brother watched on and didn't do anything. And all I thought was, I'm home free. I'm leaving the country, I'm all good, woo, hero. And here I am, four months standing on this dingy Jersey City corner waiting to die. <laughs> what happened? And I waited, and I waited, and I waited, and they never showed up. So I was thinking, man. So I had the whole weekend to stress about that. I was like, oh God, was I on the wrong corner? What happened? Like, oh my God, I'm really gonna get it. And so Monday, comes up and I go back to class and I see Big Bone and Longweed. And I go up to him like, yo, how come you didn't show up on Friday? I was there. And they just looked at me and Big Bone was like a little confused and then she just burst out laughing. She was like laughing her ass off. She's like, girl, you showed up on Friday? No, we were just kidding. We were just joking with you. You're so crazy. 
You actually were gonna stand there and get beat? Aw, oh, you're too crazy. You're all right. You can hang with us. Oh. Woo! <laughs> and just a few weeks later, I'm sitting in the third grade reading, you know, Jane finds a ball. And the teacher says to me, Rahi, you can get up now. You can go back to your class. We made a mistake. You got to go back to your class. And I got up from my classroom with the third grade kids and walked out the hall. And I was like, woo! And I went back to my classroom in fifth grade. I was like, woo! The hero of Chestahoa. Yeah. So it turns out, our lady of Chestahoa, she was, uh, there's a story about her, of course. She's the Black Madonna, painted as the Black Madonna. And she was actually a painting done by Luke the Evangelist, ends up in Czechoslovakia. And this painting was in this church. And she's always represented with two scars on her face. One day, a group of thugs came to raid the church. And they loot the whole church, load up their cart, take the painting, and the top thug had the sword. And he sliced that painting up. And all of a sudden, he fell down to the ground, writhing in pain, almost dead. Horses wouldn't move. And they ended up leaving all the loot and leaving the church alone. Second miracle of this badass black Madonna. <laughs> a horde of Swedish raiders. Swedes, who knew that they raided? I did not know this. Hundreds of them surround this church with cannons drawn, ready to blow it down. Just throwing cannonballs at it. Did it for several days, and not a single thing was broken inside that church. It's the Black Madonna. So what's the lesson of this story? Fool, do not mess with the Black Madonna. <laughs> do not mess with Our Lady of Chestahoa. <laughs>